0: Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Day, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. It is now the ninth day of December 2016, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from a Sully Baseball studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager, Bob Melvin, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park the home of the San Francisco Giants. I'm doing another video podcast today. Why? I don't know. Felt like doing one. Maybe I'm going to have this be something I do a little more often. It doesn't have to be for a special occasion, like for episode number 1,500. Maybe sometimes it's, hey, I'm just going to put this one on camera. So for most of you, you're going to be hearing it on your earbuds and listening to it on SoundCloud or iTunes or Stitcher or Podbean or any of those places, but I'm also gonna be talking to you one-on-one. You see me, I see you. This is actually not going to be a sort of an evergreen podcast because this one is specific to some news that's going on in the game of baseball today and may not be super relevant 10-15 months from now. But what the hey? Might as well look at you and have a one-on-one conversation because a strange piece of news that I was not expecting to happen came about through the the interwebs today and I discovered that Koji Uehara is in all probability going to sign with the world champion Chicago Cubs so let me tell you something friends it's still weird to say the sentence the world champion Chicago Cubs but they are and give them the credit for the credit that is due to them. Now, Koji looks like he's going to join the Cubs. Now, if you know me, and I know I do, you know that I'm a Boston Red Sox fan. I have been since the late 1970s. If you don't believe me, turn on HBO. You'll see me on The Curse of the Bambino. I'm a diehard Red Sox fan. And you also know that I have a fascination with those pitchers who are the ones on the mound when the World Series is clinched. That is, when I was a kid, growing up in the suburbs of Massachusetts, that was my great fantasy in baseball. It wasn't necessarily hitting the game-winning home run or making the game-saving catch or even throwing the no-hitter. It was being the guy out of the bullpen who came in, got the last outs, and got to be the one who celebrated. Now, for me, this celebration and... Wanting to be that guy, as I rub my nose, was Tug McGraw. Tug McGraw had a certain badass quality to him. When I grew up, he was a member of the Philadelphia Phillies. He began his career as a member of the New York Mets. But I remember as a Philly, and I really, really remember the final out of the 1980 World Series when he had his arms up in the air and Mike Schmidt jumped on him and all that other stuff. It made an impression on an eight-year-old Sully. And it became the thing I, I wished that I could do. It was the thing that I wished that I could experience. Of all the, the moments, it's that moment, the moment the ball leaves your hand and the championship is won. That, to me, is the ultimate experience. And I have a fascination of those players who have experienced that, who have done that. That, to me, is something that I have a tremendous amount of reverence for those exact moments. The series is won, and this is the pitcher who threw the clinching pitch. I follow Keith Folk on Twitter, and it, to me, he lived the ultimate fantasy of Red Sox fans everywhere, of getting that ball back in his hands. And throwing it over to Mankiewicz, or however the hell you pronounce his name, to get the final out. To me, that is the pinnacle. That is the ultimate moment. For a while, I used, when I was doing some things uh, in the world of comedy, and I sometimes used an alias when I was writing letters and emails on my behalf. And the alias that I used was Carl Mays. Carl Mays was the pitcher who was on the mound, When the Red Sox won the 1918 World Series, which at the time was the last one they had won. And those of you who are into baseball history also know that Carl Mays is the only person to kill someone with a pitch. He threw a pitch, hit Chapman of the Indians on the head, crushed his skull. That was my pseudonym. So when I look at those pitchers who are the ones who clinched a championship, to me, I have a great sense of. I don't know. I look at them and say, you've achieved something that I even, that I can't even fathom. And some of the names are names that you would expect if you go down the list of the pitchers who have done that. There have been great starting pitchers who have thrown complete game victories to win a World Series. Sam Koufax, Bob Gibson, Oral Hershiser. Uh More recently, a pitcher like uh, Josh Beckett pulled off the trick in 2003. Most of the time, it's a closer. Most of the times, it's the bullpen closer. Mariano Rivera did a bunch of times. You saw Hall of Fame closers like Raleigh Fingers, like Bruce Suter, like Dennis Eckersley, like Rich Gossage all pulled off that title. And the closer du jour. that Sometimes you have, it's not necessarily a great Hall of Fame closer, but it was the closer for for that particular team. So you saw Brad Lidge, Bobby Jenks, Willie Hernandez. Hell, Keith Folk, who wasn't a Red Sox for that long, but got the great moment. And one of the pitchers who have done that, one of three living pitchers who have experienced the moment of clinching a world championship for the Boston Red Sox, is Koji Uehara. Now, believe me, friends, when the Red Sox acquired him before the 2013 season, I did not expect him to be on that list. I did not expect him to become a Red Sox Immortal. I thought he was a nice pickup, but that was coming after the debacle of a season that the Red Sox had with Bobby Valentine as their manager. And basically, my expectations were, don't be terrible on the field and off the field. Rise above terrible. And the 2013 Red Sox, which were filled with a bunch of players, who were just really acquired for that year. It was basically a rebuilding season. So we're get a bunch of players, not long-term deals, but just to fill in while we develop the team from within. That was the plan. And it happened to be the Red Sox won the World Series in a rebuilding year. They won with those temporary players. And of all the players who were just plugged in there, who were kind of an afterthought to become a Red Sox legend, None bigger than Koji Uahara. He wasn't even the first choice to be the closer that year. That was Hanrahan. The second choice to be closer that year, that was Bailey. Third choice to be the closer year, that was Tozawa. He was their fourth choice. Fourth choice. And he became the man on the mound, not only when they won the World Series in 2013, but was the ALCS MVP with a mind-bogglingly fantastic performance against the Detroit Tigers. And a wonderful piece of symbolism because the Tigers, you know, they probably should have won that series. But we remember the cop jumping up and the Ortiz home run, and some of us remember the Victorino Grand Slam in Game 6. Basically, they didn't win the pennant because they didn't have a closer, and the Red Sox had a great one. Koji Uehara save for one weird home run by Jose Lobaton, dominated the entire postseason 2013 and did so with a flair for the dramatic and a sense of fun. He laughed on the mound. He picked When he picked off Colton Wong, there was a sense of joy. He couldn't quite high five right, but it didn't matter because he struck everybody out. And the Red Sox, for the first time, won a World Series in Fenway Park. It was Koji on the mound. And it was a wonderful feel. And, of course, he had several fine seasons after that. But off he goes. He's in his 40s. Relievers in their 40s, you know what? They don't tend to go that long in their career. And one thing the Red Sox have is a complete lack of sentimentality. I know that sounds contradictory because the Red Sox have this or of being kind of the hometown team and the traditional team in New England and lobsters and all that crap. But the fact of the matter is, the Red Sox have all the sentimentality of Michael Corleone at the baptism in The Godfather. They have no sentimentality. They'll let people walk, they'll let people go because they are looking for the long-term. They would rather have someone fold up like a tent on someone else's dime and build towards making a good quality team. And you saw that exact thing happen with the 2013 Red Sox. There was not a lot of sentimentality to a team that was a huge sentimental favorite in Boston in the wake of the marathon bombing and Ortiz saying, this is our fucking city and everything like that. It was a team that they knew worked as a temporary. These players are not here for the long term. Johnny Gomes was gone by the end of the next year. John Lester was traded away. You know, Victorino, David Ross, all these players who were, you know, cobbled together to win, to, to, they weren't cobbled together to win a championship. That just was a wonderful byproduct. And it so happened, Koji stuck around for a couple more years and got to play in another postseason series. But it's time to go. And I think Red Sox fans have to say, hey, Koji, the memories and the, and the, the glory of that 2013 season, I'll never forget it. I'll never take it for granted. It was pretty incredible. And I feel so thrilled that a player who was basically acquired to be like, hey, we'll get some bullpen depth. Eh, yeah, maybe he'll be a, decent, eh, be a decent middle reliever. Oh, wait, no, he's a legend. You know, Forget never having to buy a drink in New England. Koji doesn't have to buy a house in New England. I'm sure if he wants to go to Framingham, there is a house that sounds like Koji. Koji Uehara, here's your house. It's near Sharpa's world. So Koji looks like he's off to the Cubs. And an interesting thing about the Cubs, the defending world champion Cubs, now they let uh, Aroldis Chapman walk and have him go to the New York Yankees. If you've been following this podcast, and I know I have, you know I'm no fan of Aroldis Chapman. I'm no fan of wanting to glorify domestic violence, uh, uh, abusers. And I actually rooted against the Cubs in the World Series, partly because I'm a huge Terry Francona fan, but also because, as I said earlier, I have such a reverence for that image of the player who was jumping up and down on the mound when the World Series is won. Forgive me, I didn't want to be looking at the image of Chapman being celebrated for the rest of my life. I'm sure there have been really deplorable people left and right who have been that image, but we know what he did. And quite frankly, I wasn't in the mood to celebrate him. Now, as it turned out, Chapman went the bed in Game 7 of the World Series and almost coughed up the entire series to the Cleveland Indians. And when it went to the extra innings, Carl Edwards Jr. got the chance to close it out. And when he couldn't pull it off in the Indians rallied, in came Mike Montgomery. Mike Montgomery went into game seven of the 2016 World Series tied with me for professional saves. He had no saves in the minor leagues. He had no saves in the major leagues. He wasn't even on the Cubs until they picked him up in July or August. To just give him, I just throw in an extra arm, kind of like the way the Red Sox picked up Koji. And of course, it was Mike Montgomery who got the honors of the final out. And as it turned out, the image that people show of the final out is either uh, Bryant throwing the ball with a big grin on his face, or the coolest of all, Rizzo getting the final out and tucking that ball in his back pocket, realizing, eh, my kids can go to law school if I just keep this ball. So Montgomery. Remains a member of the Cubs. It looks like Koji Uehara is going to be his teammate. The Cubs are going to have a new closer. The closer is Wade Davis. And for the second straight year, Wade Davis will be the closer on the defending world champions. Because remember, Davis was the closer for the 2015 Kansas City Royals and happened to be the pitcher on the mound when the Royals won the World Series. Now think about that for a second. After all these years of the Cubs not winning and all the and Billy Goats and all this other crap, they are now, assuming the Uahara deal goes through, they're gonna have Montgomery, Davis, and Uahara. That's three of the last four pitchers who have been on the mound to clinch a World Series, currently wearing Cubs uniforms. Now, the other pitcher of the last four is Madison Bumgarner, who came out of the bullpen and pitched that mind-boggling game against the Kansas City Royals to finish up game seven of the 2014 World Series. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I don't think the Giants are going to wind up trading Madison Bumgarner to the Cubs. So they may have to be satisfied with only having three of the last four. But wait a second. Wait a second. Three of the last four. Why not four of the last five? What are you talking about, Sully? Sergio Romo. Remember Sergio Romo and the little dance that he does? He was on the mound when the Giants won the World Series in 2012 against the Detroit Tigers. He's a free agent. And look at he didn't exactly burn down the house in 2016. In fact, no Giant reliever did, quite frankly. But why not go to the Cubs? And you'd have Koji, you'd have Montgomery, you'd have Davis, you'd have Romo, all sitting in the bullpen, saying like, "Hey, when you clinched the World Series, how did it feel like to you? Oh, I feel great. What about you? Oh, it feel great to me." That's pretty cool. Wait a second. Instead of four of the last five, why not five of the last six? Jason Mott. Now, Jason Mott played with the Cubs in 2015, but he was a member. of of the 2011 St. Louis Cardinals. And with all the weird injuries and and mixing and matching they had in their bullpen that year, it turned out that Mott, by pulling the short straw, was the closer when they were in the World Series. So in that wonderful World Series against Texas, it was Jason Mott on the mound. Now, he's in Colorado. Now, Colorado is not gonna win anything this year. And I have a feeling that if you trade the Colorado Rockies, oh, well, a decent single-A pitcher, and I don't know, some mayonnaise, you could probably get Jason Mott Without much effort, signing Romo, who has no draft pick attached, and won't cost tremendous, probably looking for a one-year deal, and, you know, looking in your, looking in your drawer and whatever you have in there, training that to Colorado, you could have Montgomery. You could have Davis, you could have Uehara, you could have Romo, you could have Ma, all in the same bullpen, in this weird collection of pitchers who know that experience of, well, this is when I was clinching a world championship. Let's go back. Brian Wilson. Eh, I think Brian Wilson's done. Mariano Rivera. Get Mariano Rivera out of now. He's not gonna be coming out of retirement. If I wouldn't him, I wouldn't do that either. Brad Lidge? Nah. I think he's retired too. Wait a minute. Jonathan Papelbon. Laugh all you want. Images of him choking Bryce Harper notwithstanding. Jonathan Papelbon led the Washington Nationals in saves last year. Now, I don't know if that's a scathing indictment of the save stat, which it very well may be. But the simple fact of the matter is this. Papelbon is also a free agent. So, with And I'm going to also make a mild prediction here that signing Jonathan Papelbon won't exactly break the bank. He already broke Philadelphia's bank. And I'm sure he'd like to latch on with a contender right now. So, without much effort, and without much imagination, you could have a bullpen that features Davis, Uehara, Montgomery, Romo, Mott, and Papelbaugh. Would that be a great bullpen? I don't know. It would be an interesting one. And when you keep in mind that never, ever, in the history of baseball, has a pitcher clinched a world championship, been that pitcher on the mound for one team, and then wound up doing it for another franchise. That's never happened before. There have been a handful of pitchers who have won postseason series. Accuracy, Gossage, Tug McGraw, as I said before, um, you know, there's a few others that a couple of weird ones like Joe Borowski, uh, Papa Grande. Jose Valverde, um, uh, Randy Myers, there's a few who have done it, like a postseason here and a postseason there, you know, like a division series or an ALCS, or Rob Nen did it with the Marlins and the Giants. Okay? Uh, there have been a handful of people who have done that, but no one's done it in the World Series. Nobody's done it in the World Series with two different franchises. So why not stock up your bullpen? And if the Cubs wind up winning the World Series in 2017, which they have a pretty good chance of doing, you can say, yeah, we got a guy who's done it with two different franchises. Would anyone really care? I would. And that's infinitely more than nobody. And chances are, it's a wide, wide world out there. Chances are, someone watching this video right now would care too. So Koji, I'm I, I I don't know Japanese. I'll say Sayonara, say thank you, is it Kanichiwa? Don't know. Don't know any Japanese. But I will say thank you. Is it domo Gato? All of my Japanese has been learned from the song Mr. Roboto by Sticks, of which I do not have the rights to play here. And I don't want YouTube to shut me down. But what I'll say to that is go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kalisky. If you want to be old school, send me an email at info at SullyBaseball.com. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast. Doing it on video. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.